would you open your Bibles to chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians? Some of you may have noticed I wasn't here. I came in the side door and slipped up here. I'm, I'm not well. I've got some sort of nasty cold and I've got a fever. I will be staying away from everybody. Come near me at your own risk. It's on your head. All right? Um, so my, some of you may have been sitting here when Cheryl came up and we conversed from a few feet away. So um, some of you who are younger may not realize that before the last couple of years, we all went to work sick. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I think, well, I, I can deal with this. It might get a little hot up here, but I can deal with this. You know, I've only got to preach for two or three hours, and then I can go home and go back to bed. So, all right. So um, let's begin reading with verse 14 as we continue this. And by the way, um, I, I'm going to continue this particular passage in two weeks. Next week we'll talk about um, Christmas seeing as how it is Christmas Eve. Uh, in two weeks we'll finish up this and we'll, and then we'll be ready to move into chapter 4, the second half of this wonderful book. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, Now, as I mentioned in in a couple weeks here we'll uh, we'll finish this particular passage. What we'll look at today is a little bit different, and um, in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, we will put some emphasis on love um, as we look at this. Previously, I told you that chapters one through three were the theological basis for the practical application that comes in chapters four through six, and um, that's not incorrect. Um, this passage, however, is the transition. So, again, we kind of have to keep mentioning this. The apostle didn't put in these verses or chapter headings. These were done by monks so that they could make reference and help memorize and, and go back to them. So the apostle wrote this as a letter, and it will it will flow from one topic to the next and on to the next and 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 build upon itself until it reaches a conclusion, and, and he closes it. Verses 14 through 21 could just as well be in chapter 4, because it, it is the transition from all of this doctrine that we have been receiving to the practical applications. Now earlier, Paul talked about the mystery, the revelation, the eternal purpose, the eternal plan, etc., all part of God's unfolding work of redemption. And, and again, those were in chapters 1, 2, and then, and then in, in chapter 3. This begins the life application portion of his letter. And he begins this with his second prayer. He, he prayed earlier in chapter 1. So, um, the message that Paul has been sharing with us 
of course, in this, in a letter, but also in his preaching, has to be heard before it can be believed, but it also has to be quickened by the Spirit so that it can be believed. Man can't, you know, uh, man can't believe unless he hears. And, and, And Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. So Paul says that for all of this, his emphasis here is that so that all of this will happen, I'm going to pray. And um, being around this all my adult life, um, and it and it started long before I came on the scene, long before I was born, where evangelists believed that the gospel was a little just. Uh, a holy sales presentation that you presented things to people and you convinced them and they could make an agreement with their mind that what you were saying was true and come to a salvation, a a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the case. The gospel itself is, is a miraculous, supernatural thing and it is the proclamation of that gospel that allows the Holy Spirit to work to quicken it to people's hearts. It's not just a simple math problem that can be explained. Now, my title for this is A Lesson in Prayer and Growth. Um, I almost entitled it More Than Two two Plus Two. Um, Now, most modern church growth stuff is based on... Uh, modalities and formulas that are geared to some sort of pseudo-psychological connection with people and not divine power from God. Listen carefully to that. Most of our modern church growth stuff is based on something other than the divine, wonderful, powerful working of God. So... Let's just say you you know you want to teach your your little ones math, and let's say you you have four chicks. I I don't know why I chose chicks. Maybe I was hungry for an egg. But anyway, you can teach a youngster how many do you have, and you can count them one, two, three, four, and then you can say, well, take away two, and you hide two. How many do you have now? And you count them one, two. You have. Okay, I'm just seeing if you're all with me here. All right, then you have, then you have two. And, and, and that's not hard. You can see them. You got one, two. You can see them. Add the other two back in. Count them. One, two, three. How many do you have? Four. <laughs> okay. Maybe this is harder than simple math. I don't know. Now remove three. How many do you have? One. Very good. Yeah, we're catching on to this. If you return the three, you have four. If you divide them in half, you have two groups of Two, very good. All right, so you can you can see this, and we can we can watch it happen, and we can we can they can touch those chicks, they can they can see them, and knowing chicks as I do from a child, you can smell them, you can you know you can connect with them there, they're they're right there in front of you, and and you can take that two and two, and you can do a little simple uh, teach a little uh, simple multiplication if you want, because they can see that, and it's all simple because we can see them. We can touch them. Not so the gospel message. 
The gospel message is received spiritually. It's not just a look and see. Prayer is necessary, or so thought the apostle. Now, we're in the third chapter here. We're getting ready to move into the fourth chapter. And so far in this first half of his lesson, or of his, his letter, there are two prayers. And in verse 14, he says, I bow the knees before the Father, from whom, and some of your, some of your Bibles may say, from whom every family on earth and heaven, but it, it probably is better translated from the whole family and earth and heaven is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you. Now, um, let me g- give you three emphasis here that he talks about in these just few verses. He mentions strength and power more than once each. He mentions the inner man or the heart. And he has a great emphasis on love. Let me read it again and and follow along, if you will. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word dwell, by by the way, means a residence. And there was a there was a different word for um, a lodger, a different word for like staying in a in an inn, than this. This this has to do with a home, with a, with a, a, a permanent dwelling. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us, that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And more than likely, that's why the, the monks broke that and started chapter 4 there because Paul kind of ends with that benediction uh, at the very end. So I hope you noticed that. He mentions strength and power. And all of this strength and power, by the way, is focused on our inner man or on our heart. And the big emphasis here toward the end of this is that we would know the height and the breadth and the length and the depth of the love of God, which passes knowledge. He, he, he uses an interesting terminology here. We'll maybe get into this next week. Where, where we are going to know what's unknowable. We're going to understand what cannot be understood. And that's part of prayer and growth. Um, too much of our modern prayer, folks, and I, I use the word modern, I, it may not be, too much of our prayer is worldly and materialistic because we focus on material things and because those people who are around us do also. You ask somebody how they are, they're not likely to tell you the truth. Now, if you know something's going on, you can ask them specifically about that, 
But that's because you have some, some sort of uh, an enhanced intimacy and you, know, and you know some things that are happening. Um, if there is something going on and they're going to tell you about it, it's more than likely going to be something that's outside themselves, not something that is within them. You're more likely to hear about health or physical things like cars and their home and so forth rather than what's going on in their hearts and minds. I don't know how often I have heard verse 20. Let me read to you again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that works at work within us, to him be glory. So at the end of this benediction here, that verse 20, I don't know how often I have heard it in sermons and books and and otherwise um, applied to worldly things like houses and jobs and finances and the cares and needs of this world. But if you read the context of what Paul's talking about here, he doesn't talk about any, any of that stuff. His focus is on what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our inner man. Let me read to you just a couple of short paragraphs from MacArthur's book here on, on, uh, on this passage. Almost every prayer of Paul's that is recorded in Scripture was for the spiritual welfare of others. Even when he was persecuted, imprisoned, and in need of many things for his own welfare, he prayed, he prayed primarily for fellow believers that they might be spiritually protected and strengthened. <coughs> Even when he prayed for himself, it was most often for the purpose of being better able to serve his Lord and the Lord's people. Later in this epistle, the apostle asked the Ephesians to pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me to the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. That's in chapter 6. Do you see the emphasis there? Let me read you another paragraph. All of God's people are to be like Paul in having an overriding sensitivity to the spiritual needs of others. For the salvation of the unsaved and the spiritual protection and growth of the saved. We are to be sensitive to the spiritual needs of our wives, husbands, children, pastors, fellow church members, neighbors, fellow students, friends, and co-workers. We are to pray for everyone with whom we have any contact at all, as well as for many others, such as government officials, Christian leaders, missionaries, whom we have never met or known. I wanted to read that because it puts the emphasis where our Christian life ought to be. It it, it puts the emphasis on what's going on inside our heart. Every single one of us has doubts and fears and weaknesses and frustrations. And if you do, then others do. And that's how we should pray for one another. And frankly, don't cast your pearl before your pearls before swine. I, I'm not telling you to, to, to
to blurt out whatever comes to your mind or what you know that there's a time and a place for this but so often in the church of Jesus Christ our relationships especially in churches where and forgive me for using the term these meetings are a performance on plat- on the platform by professionals people come in they observe and they leave again folks i, I know i've shared this before but i actually had people years ago in not here but years ago in another church who didn't know people except by the back of their head so that's how we pray for one another and and that's how we should respond to one another someone says how you doing you say pretty good and 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 maybe you should elaborate and maybe when they say pretty good you should not let go of their hand you should just stare them in the eye and wait for them to finish If you learn the mastery of silence, you can control many situations. Just be quiet and look. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Prayer is the key to the door of the storehouse of God's great riches. And because it's spiritual and not just two by two, prayer is necessary. Now, if you don't pray about those things in your own life, you are very unlikely to pray about those things in someone else's life. Let me go back to that short list. If you, if you don't pray about your own doubts, your own fears, your own weaknesses, your own frustrations, if you don't pray about those things for yourself, if you don't lay bare your heart before the Lord on those areas in your own life and others, that was just a partial list, I... I, I uh, I kept waiting for MacArthur as he told all the people to pray to put an etc. at the end of it. I like etc. That means I don't have to think of all that stuff. So there's an etc. there. If you, if you don't pray about those things in your own life, realizing that what goes on in your heart is more important than what's going on in your body. Your body will die. And there isn't time this morning to go into this, but Paul over and over and over again talks about that. As a matter of fact, he says that this tabernacle I live in is day by day decaying while at the same time the inner man is being made stronger because of the grace of God. So if we don't pray about those things in our own life, if we are insensitive to our own inner needs, then we're going to be insensitive to others' inner needs and, and we're going to have shallow relationships and we're not going to know how to pray to pray and what Christianity we have is going to be of the weakest, most immature nature. You still there? Now let me talk to you about growth for just a minute. Because uh, it's kind of hidden in here, but you can see it if you think about it. That's what this is all about. When we get into chapter 4, let me just slip ahead here a little bit uh, and read to you just a a few verses that that we'll we'll deal with in detail when we get there. Um, Verse 12, he says, verse 11, he gives apostles, prophets, etc. Verse 12, (laughs) etc. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness 
of Christ. Now folks, none of that has anything to do with what kind of car we drive or how healthy we feel. None of it. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So there, there we've got doctrine and we've got teaching and, and what we believe. And, and again, none of that has anything to do with where we live or how expensive our house is or, or, or anything. It, it, it all has to do with what's going on in our hearts. Verse 15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, unto, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So let's talk about growth here for just a minute. Um, growth is that thing that happens in the heart. And it's, it's a process. You, you, you cannot know the comfort of God without somewhere along the line experiencing grief. You cannot know the peace of God without experiencing turmoil. Say, well, I'm a believer. I'm not supposed to have any turmoil. You, you don't find that in your Bible. As a matter of fact, both the Lord and the apostles tell us that we're called to struggle and suffering. Say, well, I want to go to a church where they tell me how everything is going to be good. Very well, you can find them. They're on every corner. They're not telling you the truth. Don't have itching ears. Now, I'm not on drugs today, but I really don't feel well, so kind of... I don't think that's working. All right, so let me... (laughs) There's no peace without turmoil. There is no grace of God. You, you don't know the grace of God without sin and failure till you fall on your face broken and ask God's forgiveness and know the peace that He gives. And when He says, you know, I'm, going to work, I'm working, I'm going, to, I'm going to work it through, we're going to get through together, you're not alone. And, and He heals and works and, 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 and causes grace to come to us. You don't know the strength of God until you've gotten to that place in your faithfulness to Him that you are past your ability. And I wrote here in my notes, excuse me, but I wrote, etc. Because <laughs> the list could go on and on and on. Now, let me share a couple things with you about this. All of these things that above, including the etc., are more important than houses and land. You are eternal. None of that stuff is. God gives us stuff so that we can enjoy it. And every time we enjoy it, He is to receive glory for it. And we are not to depend upon it because it can all be gone tomorrow. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. That I can learn how to have a lot and have a little. It's in the book of Philippians. So all of these things are more important than houses and land and all that other um, materialistic stuff. 
And number two, all of these things are experienced only through yielded living. Only through walking broken and submitted to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is always wooing us to yield. When we get self-willed, we get independent, and we begin to function apart from God, there is always, if we will listen, there is always a still, small voice. It has to do with us. It doesn't have to do with Him. He's there whispering to us. There's always a still, small voice that says, Hey, you're not yielded. And the second thing about this yielded living, it is a continuous process. You should know more this year than you did last year. You should be closer to the Lord this year than you were a year ago. Maturity doesn't come overnight. Someone... uh, Used the author used the phrase from a philosopher, a long journey in the same direction. And we walk with him, and that walking with him is not based on our fleeting feelings, but on the eternal truth that's revealed in his book. Would you stand with me? Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You notice that kind of backwards, kind of a regression? You know, you you really can't ask of something unless you first what? Think of it. I mean, it's always good to think before you say something. (laughs) Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So Paul, Paul, this fellow who loves to build on things, you know, and and create these... um, magnificent word structures, mind pictures. Here he goes backwards. He does abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, the power of the the indwelling Jesus. To him be glory. That power, folks, is to make us more like Jesus. To make us more, as we read earlier, about like the one who washed the disciples' feet. To make us more like the one who said, I didn't come to minister, uh, to, uh, to be ministered to, but to minister. To make us more like the one who said, in his darkest hour, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. to make us like the one who said to the fellow who came inquiring about following him. He says, you can follow me, but be, be aware that I have less than the foxes because at least they have a hole in the ground to go home to. And I pray that this power that works by his spirit in our hearts will free us from the terrible burden of materialism that is thrown its dark shadow over the church. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word today and and then 
prepare in a few minutes to go to our homes and to our lives. I pray that you will unleash in a new way that power within us, that you will deliver us from all of the the foolishness and uh, weakness of the materialistic things that we often strive so hard for. Of course, we're to provide for our families. Of course, we're to do those things. But Lord, you give us those things to serve us. You don't provide those things so that we can serve them. We're to serve you. And your great work in our your great work in our lives is an inner work in our hearts, in our inner man, where we grow in faith and strength and understanding and grow from knowledge to knowledge so that day by day we are closer and closer to you. Have your way in our hearts and lives, I pray. In Jesus' name.